Welcome to Punditocracy, Lawrence.com's politics and culture podcast, where we have returned from yet another lengthy hiatus. Hey, we cut our Thai sex tour short for you people. And let me tell you, if you absolutely have to get deported after falsely confessing to a decade-old murder, make sure you get deported Bangkok-style. Jumbo prawns and exotic she-male flight attendants all around. But enough about my summer vacation. My name's Gavin, and this installment of Punditocracy is a bit different from our usual syphilitic ravings, in that we're going to chat with people who actually know what they're talking about. How novel. In conjunction with the Lawrence.com article, A Diseased Kansas Elephant, we'll be sharing extended excerpts of interviews I did with Kent Goyan, a former Republican who's running as a Democrat to represent Pratt, Kansas, in the State House, and Don Hader Markle, professor of politics at the University of Kansas. First up, Kent Goyan. I asked him why he's running and why he switched parties to run as a Democrat. Just a little bit of background. Uh, you're a farmer and a teacher, is that correct? Yeah, substitute teacher, yeah. Great, great. And I was wondering, uh, what led you into public service and politics? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I was encouraged by some friends, and you know, we kind of sit around and talk a little bit, trying to figure out where things were going, and we didn't like the direction they were going, so somebody thought I ought to... I could probably do the job, and we hummed and heed and hawed around it for a little bit and finally decided we probably could. So somebody had to do it, and it might as well be me. Took action into your own hands. Very good. Um, That's right. I keep telling yeah. them kids when I'm substituting. You know, if you, don't, if you don't take control of your situation, sometimes somebody else is going to do it for you, and I wouldn't be a practicing what I preached if I didn't uh, take good. the opportunity. So. Nice, nice. Um, and... Just wondering, uh, the uh, the switch of parties that you underwent uh, from Republican, I assume you're a re- registered Republican and switched to a registered Democrat. Yeah, so that you well, could... and the reason we did that, there's probably two reasons. I'm not sure that the Republican Party is really a voice of what I really think it ought to be or what it was years ago, mm-hmm. although I wasn't uh, involved in the party in either party, actually, to tell you the truth. But, uh, right. Part of it was because of that uh, ideology change, and the other part was because of, uh, oh, we'd gone head-to-head in the primary, only about, uh, you know, half the electorate here is about a little, you know, half or a little bit better for Republican. Mm-hmm. Only about 20% of those showed out in the primary, so that wouldn't mean very, very few people would have been able to decide who was going to represent them in Topeka. Right. So by changing parties to the Democrat, then we get a, everybody gets a chance to be a rep- presented, and I thought that was kind of important, too. Great, great. Did you have a challenger in the Democratic primary? Oh. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's a fast track. Um, let's see here. Do you think that the Republican Party, uh, as it stands right now in Kansas, um, even allows any more uh, independence, uh, or do you think it's just strictly people who have to toe the party line, and is that one of the reasons why oh, you might have there's some independence, but not much. Uh, they just they just seem to be fairly intolerant of anything that they don't uh, doesn't meet their uh, goals or what they think their ideas are. Right. They yeah. just be, have become fairly intolerant, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, do you 
did national politics uh, factor into your decision to run? That's to say, did perhaps President Bush's favorability or uh, President Bush's policies, either domestically or abroad, did that factor at all into your reasoning? Oh, not really, no. Nah, strictly I'm not local. Sure I agree with all his policies either, but I don't. That really didn't have a factor in it, no. Right. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, what What exactly do you uh, hope to accomplish if you do get elected? Well, I don't have any visions of grandeur. I don't have any axe to grind or anything like that. I just, <clears throat> my basic feeling is that the majority of the district has not been represented by the by the current representative, and I, I think we need to go up there and, and uh, represent what the constituents of the 114th, what I think they are, which is a little more moderation and, you know, a little more uh, strength in education strengthen the economies of real uh, real Kansas if we can. Um, just a little common sense. Seems like, you know, everybody wants to, everybody's got an agenda or they want to impose something that they believe on somebody else, and we have to learn to, you know, the art of politics is an art of cooperation and, and compromise. And, uh, we have seemed to have lost that some. I hope to kind of bring that back and hopefully to the state house and we can kind of to this district and kind of just make everything work a little bit better than what it has already um have uh has the democratic party uh the party machinery have they reached out to you uh in an effort uh yeah. to uh good good uh, have they have they yeah, tried we're getting along reached time. across party lines so to speak to try to uh, accommodate you and uh what you hope to accomplish yeah yeah and I think, you know, basically I think what, uh, what uh, I think the constituents want, whether they be Democrat or Republican, is just somebody that's going to go up there and listen, uh, learn as much as you can about certain things, and, and, and make you know, the best decision possible. Right. And, you know, part of that's going to be, uh, oh, it's just like when, you know, where you're farming or anywhere, whatever business you're in, you have certain situations that come up, so you you analyze the situation and, you look at what options are available to you, and then you uh, make a decision. Yeah. And it's a thought process. That, uh, it's the same thing with government. We just want to have good government. We want to have, you know, the best for the for the people of the district, people of the state. And that's what we're going to try to do. Um, you're a you're a farmer in Pratt, is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what sort of uh, farming do you do? Oh, it's not a very big farm. I raise uh, corn and wheat, alfalfa, and cotton. Have you been in Pratt all your life? Yep. Graduated from Pratt High School, graduated from Pratt Community College, and uh, Kansas State University. Great, great. Um, Let's see. Well, going back to um, uh, the party switch, uh, have you experienced any uh, animosity from Republicans in your area or has there has there been any threat of reprisals uh, political or otherwise oh in fact I've let's see I've probably got more Republicans on my committee than I do Democrats <laughs> that's why I say I'm, I'm trying to reach out to a broad group you know we used to elect statesmen we don't elect statesmen anymore not that I'm going to count myself as a statesman but boy anymore <laughs> it seems like we've got to elect Republicans or Democrats and that's not the way it should be Right. That's part of the reason for the party switch, too, is because, uh, you know, get more people involved and you get a broader range and, uh, and uh, you know, the people get a choice. Otherwise, you just had just a few people, like I said, you know, picking who was going to run. But this way, it's uh, 
You ought to vote for the person that's going to be the right one. I tell people I'm probably not the best man for the job, but I'm the best man that filed. <laughs> maybe we can get government to, uh, you know, maybe somebody else will come along better than me. They can beat me. That'd be fine, too. Just get better, get a better uh, caliber of government, better caliber of uh, candidates. That is the idea of democracy. And that is the idea. I'm kind of an idealist sometimes. sometimes that's not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> we could use more of it in politics. Um, yeah, you know, like I say, I don't, uh, I don't have any agenda or anything like that. I'm just going to go up and try to be as level-headed and use some common sense. And, and I know I'm going to get up there and, and uh, oh, you know, I kind of like to, you know, that's get this job done and go on to something else and I know that's not going to happen but, <laughs> and in the democracy and, and government it probably shouldn't some things shouldn't or, you know, shouldn't uh, be very speedy but uh, right, right. You know, we need to we need to think of the common good of what's going to be the common good for the district and the state that's, that's what we're there for are you um government, government you know everybody thinks of government as some 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 organization or some faction or something up there, a pie-in-the-sky kind of thing that's going to secure your troubles, but we forget the government is us, and so we've got to figure mm -hmm. out how it's going to work to, to affect us, too. So okay. That's another idealistic notion I've got. <laughs> uh, here's a... a um, I've heard that uh, the governor, uh, Kathleen Sebelius, has actually uh, uh, personally reached out to some of the candidates uh, who are switching parties. Have you spoken with her? Oh, she called when I was thinking about it. No, really. I don't know that that, uh, like I said, you know, I actually had uh, had Republicans and Democrats both asking me to run and encouraging me to run, and and uh, oh, I don't. I suppose Dennis McKinney, he was one of them. He probably got the governor turned on. To. Anyway, she called, and I'd all. Oh, I won't say I had made my decision by then, but almost had. Right, right. Whether it affected my decision or not, I I don't know if it did or not. It might have subconsciously a little bit, but not a lot. <laughs> well, still, that's a... Yeah, yeah. It uh, seems like a pretty big step for uh, uh, an unknown candidate, hey, uh, first-time candidate boy, for uh, the governor of a state. boy out here, he walks home and he punches a punches the machine or the telephone message machine and it says this is a governor calling they kind of say whoa wait a minute what's going on here <laughs> well, yeah it was neat yeah yeah um let's see here now as far as your you say you don't really have a specific platform so far as the uh, issue based well, policies I've, I've got talking points and my talking points are you know education we need to we need to keep education going we need to improve education. We've got to improve teacher salaries to where they're going to be competitive with, oh, you know, the other jobs in the private sector. Otherwise, we're going to be out of good teachers. That's what's going to improve education is going to be the teachers. You can throw a lot of money to the school districts, but if you don't have good teachers to implement programs and teach the kids, and then that's not going to work very good. So we've got to do that. And education is more than just throwing money at it, too. Education just... Uh, these kids got to have a reason to learn. They've got to have a desire. They've got to have a you know. They've got to show relevance to to an education. So that's. And I'm not sure you can legislate that, but good teachers can can certainly improve that. Mm -hmm. And you know, job creation and rural economy. That's 
Well, something we fight out here for a long time. You guys back east sometimes don't, and no offense to wherever east, but uh, you know, anything west <laughs> of Highway 81 is almost no man's land sometimes. Right. It's a little different world out here, but we're all time fighting for, you know, a little piece of the pie and trying to keep tax bases up and keep employment up and trying to get people back here to, you know, create jobs. And we all like to get some young people back here, too, so we've got to have jobs for them to to live and raise family with so that's another priority mm-hmm. and then just like I say a good level headed common sense government seems like a very practical uh, set of uh, goals you want to achieve um, do you think well, there there are all the like the social hot button topics uh, gay marriage abortion uh, is that something that uh, you want to deal with at all or is that something you're trying to avoid this to where I won't crucify myself. <laughs> I, I really yeah, you're a politician I, now. you got to be political. <laughs> well, that's another thing. You Sometimes you know, I don't have to be, I guess. I'm not a politician particularly. I'm just a guy who wants good government and good things to sure. happen to the state. Sure. And that may be sure. the difference. I don't, you know, there are a lot of social issues and things to talk about. Uh, you know, you can't legislate morality. You can't... Uh, can't make laws that are going to make people do this and change their way of life. You know, most, you know, I, I think there's other issues that are far more important than what those social issues are. And you're always going to have, oh, you're probably going to have half the people mad at you and half of them are going to agree, agree with you, but you're still going to have fighting among those social issues and they're, you're, you're never going to solve anything. You're going to talk a lot about it. And as far as I'm concerned, you waste a lot of time. And I just soon know. Uh, I guess not deal with them. I don't think there's any. I don't. I don't. I think it's a lose lose situation. I don't think anybody's going to come out winning on the thing. I think that's I a fine answer. Well, that's there. There's some. Th- I had a guy we were talking about the abortion issue one time, and we were talking about you know what's what should a guy say about that. And we kind of come up with the deal of where you know if a girl gets herself in that situation, you know, see there there's clergy she can talk to and there's SRS and there's social services and there's friends and doctors and et cetera, et cetera. You know, she really doesn't need to talk to her state legislature about it. <laughs> so let's put things someplace, you know, it, it, some things ought to be in, in other situations besides the legislature. So we'll let it stand at that. Very good. Very good. But they ought to have the freedom to, the freedom to choose whatever they choose, though, too. They ought to have that freedom. Well, I think that's about it. Um, uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you'd like to add about your campaign or yourself? Send money and more votes. (laughs) Vote early and often. Uh, Do you have a website? uh... Yeah. uh, What is it? Going, let's see, what is it? Going 2006. I think I never look at it. internet me sometimes. <laughs> I live in dial-up country, and it's kind of a pain sometimes. And it's easier just not to worry about it than it is to sit up there and yeah, go in 2006.com. Go in 2006.com. That may be a priority. Well, I don't know. I guess we've all got internet service. Just depends on how quick you want to sit there and do that kind of stuff. We become yeah. impatient about a lot of things too. So we're an on-demand <laughs> society, you know. It's true. It's true. Well, all right.
right. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time, Kent. I appreciate it, and uh, good luck with the campaign. Well, thanks. Don't crucify me too bad. Talk nice about me. <laughs> I'll do nothing but. Uh, have a good day. <laughs> All right. Thanks for calling. Next up, Professor Don Hader-Markle, political analyst for KU, who's going to drop some much-needed knowledge on our ignorant asses about the history of party switching and why Republicans are looking forward to November about as much as Mel Gibson is looking forward to visiting his local synagogue. Enjoy. Well, first of all, um, what do you think the impetus is for these candidates uh and what about this particular political environment do you think makes them want to uh, switch parties for this particular election? Um, I guess I would I guess I would argue that in Kansas in particular, I mean, the ongoing battle between moderate Republicans and conservative Republicans should automatically lead some more moderate Republicans to say they might be able to do better um, running as a Democrat because basically, um, considering who turns out for primaries, in Republican primaries, that if if a candidate is be you can label a candidate as too moderate or the the, the typical phrase uh, Republican in, in name only, that it's pretty likely and consistently since about 1992 that the conservative candidates do pretty well in the Republican primaries in Kansas. Um, and you have that trend going on in many parts of the country that that basically conservatives have done quite well because who tends to turn out for to vote in, in the low turnout primaries. Um, so it makes sense. Uh, this year there's sort of the added element of the Republican Party as a whole because um, Bush's approval ratings are, are pretty low, because the Republican Congress his ratings are pretty low, that it's not such a great time to be a Republican right now. It's not a horrible time, but it's not such a great time. I mean, the last time we had um, sort of a, a bias, especially towards um, um, on the congressional vote, how people think they might vote come November, um, the last time we had a big bias one way or towards one party or the other like this years was 1994 when the Republicans took back the House um, from the Democrats. So. Right now is really not a great time to be a Republican. Um, and there's lots of pressures internally within the parties, not only from the activists who vote in the primaries, but um, also from other elected officials um, to sort of toe the party line. And for those, both Democrats and Republicans, who aren't, don't march in step with all the other people in their party, um, they f can feel increasingly uncomfortable to stay with their party. I mean, one of the big things we saw following 1994 and the Republicans taking back the House was Democrats um, who were in elective office, not only in Congress, but even at the state level, who switched parties mm -hmm. um, following that because it basically they just felt more comfortable in the, in, in, um, in the other party. And, and that's not terribly uncommon historically. If one, if one party is doing better, um, there's it increases the pressure to sort of switch parties, especially if you've always been a person that doesn't always go along with, with the party line. Mm. Do you think um, 
by my count, I think the uh, Kansas State Democratic Party's counts, there have been nine candidates that are now switched parties. Is this unique? Is this a, a, a higher number than usual, do you think? Uh, especially for Kansas Republicans? I think it would be unusual for Kansas politics at, at this point in time, but like I say, I think these things tend to go in cycles a little bit. They're, they're prob- it's been quite a while. It's been over ten years since you've seen a configuration of forces that would sort of suggest people should really switch parties, consider switching parties. Um, but historically, I'd say that it actually goes on quite a bit, mm-hmm. especially at the state level. At the national level, I think it's a little bit more rare um, and typically would occur, occur after just following an election, not prior to an election. Mm-hmm. But like I say, I mean, one of the big things that's gone on and why it's difficult to compare historically is because way we select candidates through primaries has changed a lot in the past 50 years, so that it's mostly all done now through popular vote, and the parties have little control. Um, As that's happened, and because primaries are such low turnout elections, only the hardcore activists, party activists, really participate in those, and they tend to have reflect the extremes of the party, so that on the Republicans it's very conservative um, individuals who vote in primaries. For the Democrats, it tends to be very liberal individuals who vote in the primaries. So that sort of forces candidates, and both Democrat, Democrats become more liberal, Republicans become more conservative, and those who want to stay in the party that are moderate kind of have a tough time um, staying with their party and surviving the primary. So do you think that the... Um the moderates in the Republican Party in Kansas are taking a gamble that the conservative vote will be suppressed this November because of the unpopularity of uh, A. Bush and B. State Republicans specifically? I, yeah, I think I think there's there's part of that because both not only do Republicans overall have low ratings, but in terms of who's enthusiastic to vote, um, Democrats... In, in looking at a midterm election in November with the general election, Democrats are far more mobilized to vote in this election than they have been. Um, and far in 2004, for example, both Republicans and Democrats were highly mobilized to vote um, and voted um, along party lines in ways that, that we have not seen in 50 years. I mean, basically, all the time we've been tracking this sort of party line vote um, in the electorate uh, since the 1950s. We've never seen the kind of party line voting that occurred in, two, in, in 2004. It was basically 90% of Republicans voted for Republicans, mm-hmm. 90% of Democrats voted for Democrats. Right. We just haven't seen anything like that before. Um, and I think that's going to continue because that just increased the trend from 2000. Um, but it is a midterm election, and um, so like primaries, you won't get the same kind of turnout that you get during, say, like the presidential election year. Independents are less likely to vote, um, and the like. So I think Republicans do hope to. The Republicans who have switched over to the Democratic Party do hope to benefit from some of the anti-Republican sentiment that's out there. But nevertheless, um, the basic idea is just to be able to go through a Democratic primary. At least you have a chance in the general election. Had they run in a Republican primary against a conservative. Mm-hmm they wouldn't have had a chance and they wouldn't even be looking at running the general election. So it's, it's, you know, I'm sure their political views they feel are moderate enough and maybe are better reflected by the Democratic Party, so it's not 
just this sort of um, pragmatic view of just trying to say where can I be more right. successful I mean I'm sure that their views sort of line up more with the Democratic Party than they do with some of the conservative Republicans but it is a strategy I mean, yeah. it is a very specific strategy and it's very specific to this election I actually interviewed one of the candidates who switched. He's running in a Pratt, <laughs> a very solidly red uh, rural district. And um, uh, he described the modern Kansas Republican Party as just being very intolerant. And uh, there's very little room for uh, independents or moderates in it. Uh, what do you think... What actions, what policies do you think specifically might have driven those candidates? Is it, do you think it might have been uh, the, the gay marriage ban, the, uh, uh, the, the abortion battles? Uh, do you think it's social issues, or do you think uh, it's just a larger uh, small tent policy that they have? I think a lot of it is social issues, um, not 100%. The... Um, you know, even on the, the school funding debate, which isn't inherently one of these sort of culture war issues. I mean, there are elements to it, like teaching evolution mm -hmm. or um, sex education elements. But but even on some other education, the environment, economic issues, there have been some real differences for moderate Republicans um, that they feel like the conservatives in the party just haven't been very tolerant of their, of their viewpoints. Um, and so basically, I would say, yeah, it is dominated by these social issues, partly because the moderates don't even really want to deal with these mm -hmm. social issues. It's not something they really think should be a major um, point of contention in a campaign or in terms of what the legislature is doing or in terms of what individuals and in other um, state offices and executive positions should be doing, focusing on these kinds of issues. Um, not that these issues are completely settled, um, but, you know, they're they're not motivated to be public servants because of these issues, whereas many of the conservatives are. These are the key issues for them, um, and they're motivated along those lines. So I would say, yeah, they, it is driving the process in part because they they don't necessarily like the party's positions on those issues, and they don't even really feel like those issues are should be part of the, the political agenda. Um, do you think that um, the governor being a popular Democrat is easing the way for this transition? I think it makes things helpful. I mean, you know, the, I don't know that there's really this pattern in Kansas specifically, but there is sort of a, a, a broader notion in, in political science of coattail effects that, you know, people, depending on how they vote at the top of the ticket, which is usually an executive race, whether it be presidency or for the governorship, um, how they vote in that first race as they're filling out their ballot card um, will influence how they vote in other races. So if you vote for the Republican in the first race, you're more likely to vote for Republicans in other races, state legislative races, whatever it might, whatever else is on the ballot. Um, and same goes for Democrats. So there is that, but the coattail effects traditionally in gubernatorial races aren't huge and not like they were they used to be for presidents in presidential election years. Um, they're still there. It's a pretty trivial element. I, it, if candidates are sort of betting on that kind of coattail effect, that they'll benefit from the popularity of the, the current Democratic governor, governor, I'd say that 
you know, I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket. <laughs> I don't really. Well, the uh, the the candidates I've spoken to said that the Sibelius actually contacted them and called them personally. Uh, so she's actively campaigning to try to get the, these uh, defections, these converts, and uh, and it's true. They said that that the candidates especially said that it wasn't uh, an integral part of their decision, but it. Uh, Subconsciously, or it might have uh, helped uh, grease the wheel, so to speak, to get them uh, switched. Well, over. sure, and, and if the governor is contacting them personally, I mean, the governor can offer resources to those candidates as well. Not only um, trying to encourage the party to support these candidates more, um, but e but even potentially offer, um, you know, given that the the governor's race is not a sure thing, but the governor's probably going to win re-election pretty easily that she might be able to spare some resources such as staff, mailing lists, et cetera, and provide those to candidates. Whereas, clearly, the um, without the governor's help, the Democratic Party as a whole in Kansas and nationally, the National Democratic Party, isn't going to be able to provide a whole lot of resources to Democratic can candidates in the state of Kansas. I mean, it's not going to be a, a primary focus, um, especially since, you know, the only real congressional race here might be the second district. I mean, the third district is not going to be a, a solid race. Um, so there's really no national attention, no national mm -hmm. money coming in here um, to su to support Democrats. Maybe on the attorney general side, <laughs> I, I haven't seen where the where the money's coming from. But there might be some national money coming in there. But right. um, I'd suspect that's just uh, on individual contributions. There might be some people around the country who, send, who uh, are motivated to send money to Kansas. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, overall, what that's what that would make the difference. I mean, that would be a real difference for the governor to sort of say, "I can provide you some support. I can campaign with you. I can um, I can endorse your candidacy very strongly, um, and potentially provide some kinds of campaign resources that are sort of below the table kinds of campaign resources, mm -hmm. not money directly." But things that really matter, I mean, mailing lists and, and, uh, and even some campaign staff, since she's probably not going to need to go, pardon the phrase, balls to the wall to, to win this election. It's not going to be that difficult for her. Right. Okay. I guess I'll just ask for your predictions. How do you see the elections turning out this November? Both state. Specifically statewide, and then uh, now, do you see the tidal wave as a lot of Democrats have been hoping for? I don't. I don't. Nobody wants to make these predictions this far out, but yeah, as, as it stands right now, no. I would just say I don't think it's going to be the tsunami that some people are predicting for the Democrats. I mean, I think Democrats nationally will do well and, and probably will take back the House. They're not going to take back the Senate. Um, They'll do well in the governor's races throughout the country, um, including here in Kansas, that, so that we will, after this election cycle, end up with a majority Democratic governors. Mm -hmm. um, they're just well positioned, both incumbent Democrats and um, with the, the problems Republican governors have had in a number of states. Um, Democrats are just well positioned. There's only really one Democratic incumbent who's in trouble at all. Um, and that's in Michigan, right. and and overall they should do they should do pretty well in gubernatorial races and in um, in house races. 
and they should pick pick up some seats in the Senate, but they're not going to take back the Senate. Um, in state legislatures, I think they'll they'll do well. Also, um, in Kansas, you know, I definitely could see the Democrats picking up some seats in the state legislature, but you know, they've got so far to go. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, you can't even consider talking about taking taking a chamber over or anything like that. Um, but I think they'll do well. They'll definitely pick up some seats. But like I say, I don't think it's going to be the tsunami that people are talking about. Well, I think I've taken up enough of your time. And that's all for this strangely informative installment of Punditocracy. If you haven't already, be sure to check out A Diseased Kansas Elephant and many other fine articles in the latest issue of Lawrence.com, both online and Deadwood editions. If you've missed the usual caterwauling and macaca flinging of punditocracy's past, fear not. Our typical roundtable format and excessive swearing will return soon. In the meantime, this has been Gavin, and I'd like to thank our guests, Kent Goyan and Don Markle. Despite your better judgment, you have been listening to Punditocracy on Lawrence.com. Bye-bye.
extra compressora da chocolate na Coca-Cola. Monte se de noia. Eu do nada que passei a tema que é de Ana Diana. Eu fico até uma pessoa da área ágil. Vira-se daqui, está na boa.